You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is a quote from Brittany Packnett in her TED Talk about confidence. Permission, community, curiosity. All of these are the things that we need to breed the confidence that we'll absolutely need to solve our greatest challenges and to build the world we dream A world where inequity is ended, where justice is real, a world where we can be free on the outside and free on the inside because we know that none of us are free until all of us are free. A world that isn't intimidated by confidence when it shows up in a woman or in black skin or in anything other than our preferred archetypes of leadership. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Permission to Speak, a new podcast for anyone who thinks that the way that we talk about women's voices could um, use a little work. I'm your host, Samara Bay. For this first episode, the guest is actually me. (laughs) So we have Jack O'Brien, the head of iHeartRadio LA in the studio, and he's going to be interviewing me along with Catherine Burke Canton. So I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about them for context. Here's what I know about Jack. He, first of all, founded Cracked.com in 2005 and was editor-in-chief there until he left in 2017 to become what I like to call the king of podcast over here, where um, he produces projects like The Ron Burgundy Show and the one that he co-hosts every single day called The Daily Zeitgeist. And uh, I should say I know him as the gentleman who greenlit my show, which, I mean, will surely be his ultimate legacy. And then Kat and Mark are my producers and my friends. And Kat is joining us on mic today as well. Hi. Uh, Wait, there she is. Hi, guys. This is Mark. I'll probably do a pickup of this because I'm not going to like the way it sounds. <laughs> um, and I have to say also, they uh, sometimes bring their newborn Eloise and um, she's got some hot takes, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, uh, I'm thrilled that they joined me in the studio today and um, I can't wait to share with you guys 
why I pitched this show and why I'm so excited that we're doing it. Samara Kett, uh, thank you for joining me here. I'm glad <laughs> you've... Uh, no, so I guess I wanted to uh, talk about just what is great about this show, why I'm super excited to have this show uh, in existence and on our network, um, why I'm excited to have you, Samara, uh, why, as a host. Thank you. I have to say, network. by the way, I'm wearing my same blazer I wore when I pitched this yes. show. I just, I just felt like, you know, it was my new lucky blazer. Yeah. <laughs> And it's a great blazer. Uh, and I, I was just looking back at the email I sent after you pitched it. And it was like, I think it was, I sent it while you were pitching it. I was like, we have to get this show on the, um, <gasps> That's but so sweet. it's a great pitch. It's something I, I host a show called the daily zeitgeist. I'm not saying that to plug it like mm. up top mm. here. Uh, Men, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I am, you know, because it's a daily show, I am plugged into like what is happening in the culture on a regular basis. And the subject of women's voices and voices in general is something that I feel like keeps coming up, is uh, sort of becoming a front line in, you know, some of the most important conversations we're having about power dynamics. And then you came in and just kind of put it all into words and like made it crystal clear for me. And then there was, you know, an episode of This American Life where they talked about how the most common feedback they got was uh, men telling the women on their show to stop having vocal fries. And that was like 10 years ago. Yeah. And people are like, vocal fries, this new phenomenon right. that's gripping young girls everywhere. And I'm like, it's actually been around our entire adult life. And amazingly, because the men on This American Life have way more affected voices than the women. <laughs> Can we just real quick define vocal fry? Because we're going to talk about yeah. that a lot. Yeah, for sure. I mean, vocal fry for me fits into a, a much larger category of ways that we kind of hide vocally. Um, but it, I mean, it's technically for for people listening who, who've always been like, what does it really sound like? It's something you're probably already doing at the ends of a lot of sentences. Right. But it is when your voice goes from like being supported with breath to kind of not being supported and sounding like this. Wow. Wow, that was good. It's almost like you do this. It's for almost a like I do this for a living. <laughs> and I know, and I do tell people, like, even when we say something strong and powerful, like, you know, I believe, fill in the blank thing, we often end it if we're talking in front of other people and we suddenly become self conscious. We often end it with, like, I care a lot about this thing or, like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, you know, I mean, honestly, one of the biggest aspects of my kind of ethos or philosophy as a, you know, speech coach for people is that I am not actually pointing those things out to demonize it. I'm not saying like young girls who do this are bad or are, you know, or even are undermining themselves. I'm saying it's something that we should be aware of and that we have so many more tools at our disposal. So we have to know, is that thing we're doing helping us get what we want? Or is it something we've picked up at some point to please someone else and it isn't actually our authentic voice? Yeah. I mean, it's the raw material that we communicate with and that a lot of communication, especially now as podcasts are increasingly becoming a record of the oral tradition that we have. Oh, that's so like, true. What um, it's, it's increasingly the raw material that we're using to express ourselves and to communicate. And it's just something that hadn't I hadn't specifically thought about in the terms uh, that I probably should have been thinking about it until you came in and were like, here, and let me describe it in this incredibly 
clear and perfect way that just crystallized a lot of things for me. I mean, I do feel like um, the voice is, I mean, I don't feel like the voice is invisible, guys. <laughs> you heard it here first. But, you know, my point is really that we, although we may have seen think pieces here and there, the voice is invisible. And we haven't necessarily thought about our own voice except for those rare moments when somebody points it out to us. You know, a lot of my clients, whether we're talking about actors or we're talking about people in like you know, the corporate world or entrepreneurs or politicians, a lot of them are people who are finding their way into power in a new way. Like they see it on the horizon or they're being offered an opportunity or they're not being offered it and they're ready to fight back. And what do they do differently to bring, you know, the best version of themselves into those scenarios so that that power happens so the people who deserve it get it? That's, yeah. I mean, there there it is. There's the crystallization. <laughs> well, of, I don't know. I don't know. Right. But, you know, but, but what I, what but, I really loved about that conversation that we had, Jack, was that, um, I was able to talk about what I've always thought about, which is that like the voice is a way in, it's a frame to talk about so much of the societal stuff that's played out on our bodies and in our minds in terms of how we talk to ourselves in these high stakes scenarios. And, you know, because I have a background as a voice coach, I also have found ways that the voice solves a lot of the problems that seem like they require all kinds of other things. But really, you know, learning how to breathe just a little better than you already are uh, can actually change your life, mm. you know? So that's the sort of thing where, like, when I've worked with people uh, from all kinds of different industries and seen the same patterns, the same, like, getting them to breathe a little bit more, getting them to realize that stuff like vocal fry is about not taking up enough space and trusting that what they have to say matters. The same patterns come up with all of us. And so the, I mean, the the dream for this podcast was that we could kind of see the similarities and break them down and say, here are some tools so that we can break the patterns that need to be broken. And let's do it together. I mean, I told you this in the when I pitched this to you, because it had just happened, but the real like origin story for this podcast is that, uh, so I went to Princeton undergrad and they, uh, the crowning achievement of that was really that they asked me to come back and speak at this women's conference. And Very cool. there was like Justice Sotomayor and Justice Kagan and like, you know, and me. Lightweight. And, you know, and you. it was just the alums gathered around the mm-hmm. water cooler. There was no water cooler. Um, <laughs> Not at Princeton. But they, it was a golden water cooler. Um, they had told me that as somebody on sort of the more creative side of things, uh, as a Princeton alum, they wanted me to come back and do a workshop on The Voice to a group of 50 to 100 women as sort of a breakout you know, option at this conference. And uh, and I was like, yeah. And I had been working on Wonder Woman at the time. At the moment I got that call, uh, I was like in Washington, D.C. on the phone with them. And they were like, what would you want to call it? And I was like, how to use your voice to get what you want. Clearly, I was on a bit of a high. And, <laughs> um, and then a week before I flew out to do this workshop, I got an email that 460 people had signed up for this 50-person workshop. Yes. And I remember just thinking like, Okay, A, I need to actually figure out what I'm doing now. But B, um, you know, if we need some market research on who needs this help, it kind of seems like a lot of people, you know? And um, and then I had an hour 15 and I had this big, you know, gorgeous, like, gothic building to interact with these women. And I my dream scenario really came true, which was that the first half I did talk a lot about these patterns, the 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 
tricks is maybe a word to use that I've found that really help people. I I have a lot of sense of like kind of psychological hacks so that this isn't like a six-month job to find your voice. It really is like, let's just toggle that switch. Let's just in the moment right now, no drama, no preciousness. Let's just try something new and see how much our nervous system can actually like adjust. And I talked about that, but the main thing that happened was I had made sure that there was going to be microphones in the audience. And about halfway through, I was like, so why did you come to something about how to use your voice to get what you want? Like, what's going on? Truly, what's going on? And it was, a you know, this room full of 400 plus women of all different ages. And they looked, you know, like they had all kinds of different life experiences. And they got up and started to tell me about them. And there was like, I mean, I remember there was like a woman who had just gotten out of college. She was like 22. I think she had just launched a podcast and was dealing with trolling about her voice. And then there was a a middle-aged woman who had a teenage daughter who was freaking out because her daughter had upspeak and like, oh God, she'll never be taken seriously in life. And then this woman stood up in the back of the room and she was probably the oldest that you can be in and have gone to Princeton because they didn't let in women until the 70s. And um, she said she's the only female board member of a massive financial institution. And I'm trying to be undelicate. And uh, and she said she couldn't get a word in edgewise at meetings. And I thought, this is a good chance to sort of see if there's kind of some group wisdom here. And I asked, like, is anyone else here from corporate? You know, and do you have anything that's worked? And people started to stand up and offer suggestions. And that was really when I was like, this is, there's something here. Because... I, you know, I got some really kind feedback afterwards about how I should do a TED Talk. And I was like, yay, I succeeded at, you know, standing up on a stage and doing all the things I teach other people to do. Like, seriously, check. That was awesome. But the real magic was when people were sharing, you know, quote-unquote best practices across industries. And I was like, there isn't, like, a place for that. And then, you know, I was on a friend's podcast, and I was like, oh, God, this is my media. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> and it, like that was like a month afterwards, and I was like, "Oh, maybe that's maybe that's what that." Because I didn't know how to process what that Princeton thing was. I was yeah. like, "That room was magical." And you came back completely, just you know, a glow with what the process that happened. <laughs> you know, and I was have... so moved by that moment when I I think that's when we kind of had first met each other. And I'm I am just so proud of you sitting here, and and we're doing the show. Thank you, my love. We have a mutual friend. Um, Named Jess, who who had said to me as I was walking out the door to go to uh, the conference, and we were at our co- a co working space that we were working at together, and she like I was literally in the door frame, and she was like, "It's not a moment, it's a movement." <laughs> like, hmm. you Thank know, you for that tagline, Jess. <laughs> needed to hear that, but you know, it really um, it really set the tone for me that um, you know well, my dream is that all of us in those moments that feel scary when we have to decide whether or not to sort of sound like the most generic version of ourselves as possible or to sort of break out of that box. All of us have to do that work on our own, but that does not mean that we are doing it alone. There is a, you know, unspoken, God, the word sisterhood comes to mind. I'm sorry if that sounds so cliche and cheesy, but there really is. And we're all dealing with this. And one of the things that that Princeton thing taught me was that one of the ways in which we're conditioned is to think that all of this vocal drama we have, like I can't get heard or I don't like the way I sound or uh, I sound too girly or I sound not cool and millennial enough or I sound, you know, too foreign or I sound too anything. 
um, we often mistake that for being something that's happening only to us and that we're alone in this little silo that sucks. And the real lesson is <laughs> we're all in this together. So, But I will say, I know it's about a sisterhood and we're about, it's about feminism and it's about the female voice here. But what I think this podcast brings to the table, and Jack, maybe you can weigh in on this too, if we let you speak. Um, <laughs> um, is that this podcast is helpful for men, for women, for whoever and wherever you are. And I really feel strongly about that. Yeah. I mean, look, as somebody who's married to a straight white man, I can attest. Uh, also, not your husband in particular, I cannot, just yeah, straight yeah, white yeah. man. Boo, my Handsome. husband. Boo your Handsome. husband. Um, straight white I, man. I, and I have, you know, a little boy who I don't know what his, you know, sexual orientation is yet. But, you know, I, I'm raising a white boy. And I think about that a lot. And um, I have to say this, as somebody who still works primarily in Hollywood, I'm working with all kinds of people who feel like outsiders. They're gay. They're people of color. They're people in toxic masculinity recovery, as I call it. Allies who are trying to figure out how to stand up for the right people at the right time, despite their privilege. So this is really work for everybody. And part of my work that feels like it's sort of advocacy as well as just speech work is in trying to change the world in terms of how much we can reveal ourselves and it continue to be something that gets us more power, not less, and be safer, not less safe. My uh, background, you know, before running this podcast network was running a website with hundreds of writers. And even in the written word, I was surprised as a straight white man, oblivious straight white man, <laughs> uh, that whenever there was a byline that suggested the writer was a woman, it would get at least 200%. The scrutiny, the negative feedback just brutalized in the comment section. Um, and then I started seeing it happen with, you know, the most talented comedians that I worked with on this network there would just be scrutiny of their voice. Part of what I'm interested in is saying, like, that is not necessarily inevitable. I mean, I hope our society continues to change. But if it is inevitable, if it is just like there is maybe an additional struggle, the further you are as a human from, like, the straight white male archetype, if there is that additional struggle to be heard, to be understood, to be taken seriously— Let's just acknowledge that and then let's make that struggle be as, I mean, joyful is the word that comes to mind and I don't mean to minimize people's experience, but let's just make that something, let's shine a light on that the same way we're shining a light on the voice. Yeah, It just is an additional challenge to be understood if you don't look like the archetype of power. And right. yay. Okay, great. We acknowledged it. Now what do we do? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, what we're really talking about is like, wouldn't it be amazing if we could all just be ourselves? And, you know, life is really complicated. And America in 2020 is really complicated. And I don't think it's responsible as a communication coach to tell people, be yourself, bye, right. you know, <laughs> because there really are less safe spaces. But I do think that it is my job to encourage my clients to be as brave as possible about pushing on the edges. Like, what are the assumptions that actually can fall down. I will say from my own experience that, Samara, you have helped to coach me, but you continue to help coach me. As I get deeper into being a producer and owning my own company and, you know, to a place where I am so excited and happy to be, 
it takes more practice to be able to continue the longevity with that. What you reminded me of, thank you for that, Kat. What you reminded me of also is that, like, very obviously, we can all we can all say that when we talk about the voice, we're talking about the literal voice, which we don't often, you know, shine a light on. Like, as somebody who has a background in dialect coaching, I'm, I can think about, you know, a vowel and a consonant sound, you know, like breaking mm-hmm. breaking down the voice into the most micro units. But I'm also talking about the metaphorical voice, how we stand up for ourselves, how we stand up for our communities, for people that don't have a voice. And so what I'm finding for myself, for you, for our friends, for, you know, everybody who's sort of on a journey of trying to become the best version of themselves in public, uh, there are little things that we can do up top to sort of like mm, let go some of our old tricks that aren't working anymore. But then there's like next level shit. And that's what's been coming up with some of my guests, too, that you guys are going to be hearing from is like, you know, yeah, it's all well and good to be like, I found my voice. And then life gets harder and you have more power and suddenly you have to say no more. And how do you say no in a way that continues to help you, quote unquote, get what you want? Well, and so a lot of our guests that come on, we have people from scientists to celebrities to mindfulness experts. But I think what is important, you've said it before, your voice is connected to your heart and to your brain. Equally. And I'm excited to explore that with you on this show. Jack, do you have anything to say? (laughs) I would just just say your job just in general is something I didn't know existed. uh, That like I thought a voice coach was the person who hits the button on the NBC show and like turns around (laughs) and I didn't know that there was somebody who... Is that a job that's available? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I've applied for it and I'm still waiting to hear back, but... (laughs) Well, now you're in competition with me and I'm going to lower my voice to get it. (laughs) Um, But I would just love for the listeners to hear just a little bit more about all the different ways that you work with people. I've been thinking back on the thread of this, but it was like... I don't know, seven years ago or something, and I found out about this organization on the East Coast called the Alan Alda Center for Communicating Science. And uh, my dad's a scientist, and I was like, I'm pretty fearless in that realm as somebody who's not a scientist, but like, you know, doesn't get too scared of talking to scientists about how they communicate perhaps badly. And and so I got trained by them and was already thinking like, how is what I do with actors applicable in other industries? Mm. And then... You know, I would coach friends here and there when they would have a pitch for, you know, something major that mattered to them. And then the 2016 election happened, and um, I started feeling like the activism I was doing in my own life and the skill set that I had could actually coincide. And that was a pretty new thought for me, actually, And, and it ended up manifesting itself in moveon.org, finding me and having me coach a lot of women who are running for office for the midterms. And God, that was such a good experience. And it really made me realize that, you know, so much of the um, work of dialect coaching, you know, people hear actors and they think, oh, I'm not an actor, so I can't do whatever that is. Or what Samar does isn't as relevant for me. But the reality is, it is like this small percentage about those vowels and consonant sounds and this huge percentage about how humans communicate. And I realized that I've been spending my entire life like sort of logging away both amazing readings on that subject and also picking up mentors and also observing. And, you know, I'm finally with this podcast and with the work I'm doing, like taking head on that question, 
what does power sound like? Because a lot of us have a version in our heads of all the people we've heard through the ages and what they used to sound like, namely, you know, the sort of rich, grumpy, white man narrative. Uh, And if we don't sound like that, we either try to or we uh, shut ourselves out before we're even shut out of rooms of power. And, you know, a lot of that is societal. It's not our fault. But to the extent that we do have power, I'm interested in playing there. The experience has been so interesting to create a podcast that's about empowering female voices because there's decisions along the way that we have to make in order to market the show the right way. Yes, we were we were talking at some point about um, these images of my mouth that were used for a New York Times piece about my work from a few years ago. It's my mouth actually moving into three different vowel sounds if we want to be very technical about it. But on its own, the female mouth often just gets really sexualized. And look, nothing against sexuality or against my lips being amazing. But, you know, when we think about women's mouths, we often think about them sort of from the perspective of the male gaze. And a mouth that's closed is, you know, looking hot for the sake of a man. A mouth that's open is often used in media as a sort of shorthand for women are shrill. I don't know if it's... um unconscious or not. But, you know, there is like a mainstream media choice about how to portray women who dare to be powerful. And so I went into the idea of what to do with this logo design, uh, knowing all of that. And what we ended up with and that I kind of love is it's my mouth literally uh, in the middle of talking. And by the way, I can't wait for somebody to decide what I was saying in that exact moment. We were all sort of arrested by that image when we were looking back at um, the proofs because we just don't actually often see a woman's mouth just in the process of talking. Thank you so much for having me on your episode zero. This is a good uh, brief sort of thumbnail version of what I think people are going to find out is so great about your podcast in the coming uh, years, decades, and <laughs> lifetimes. Uh, so thank Thanks, you. Jack. I'm just so excited to be on this journey, and I hope our listeners understand how much we want them to obviously take a minute and listen, but to really become a part of this community and share your voice with us and with the people around you and to have permission to speak. The end. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to Jack O'Brien and Catherine Burt Canton for guest hosting my show. <laughs> you can find out more about both of them in the show notes or on our website, permissiontospeakpod.com. Also, I would like to point out that in uh, episodes moving forward, there's a segment at the end where my guests get to bring in the voice of someone they admire and we talk about it. And you can actually hear that in action with the other episode that drops today where I got to interview Evan Rachel Wood. Also, you can go to permissiontospeakpod.com if you have any awesome quotes you'd like me to read at the top of the episodes. And if you have any questions, I will do an Ask Me Anything episode from time to time. And I want to know what is getting in the way of your voice. You can also send DMs or voice messages to our Instagram at Permission to Speak Pod, where we're posting a bunch of content. And please join the community. Thanks as well to Sophie Lichterman and the team at iHeartRadio, to Megan Reed, to my family and cohort, and to all of you. 
We are recording this podcast in the iHeartRadio studios in Hollywood on land that used to belong to the Tongva Indigenous Tribe, and you can visit usdac.us to learn more about honoring Native land. Permission to Speak is a production of iHeartRadio and Double Vision, executive produced by Catherine Burt Canton and Mark Canton. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.